welcome to the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. My name's Amy McDonald. I'm a yoga teacher, yoga student, and a yoga business coach. And I'm here to support you to share your yoga with the people in your community who really need it. So if you're an amazing yoga teacher, but you sometimes struggle with the business part of what it is that you do, you're in the right place. I hope you thoroughly enjoy everything I've got in store for you. And if you have any suggestions, questions, or ideas for future podcasts, reach out to me on Instagram at Amy Yoga Biz Coach. Hey there, welcome to the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast for the week. Hope you're fabulous. Hope you're fabulous. Hey, today we're starting out something particularly exciting. I have some really special guests coming up over the next couple of weeks as we wind down the special times year that has been 2020. So I really hope that you are going to enjoy them. I am chuffed, I've got to say, absolutely chuffed with the people who um, who I'll be introducing you to, although I suspect that some of you know some of our guests already. Before I introduce you to today's great guest, a reminder, of course, that like the rest of the planet, I'm having a flash sale and so are so many of you. I'm loving getting the DMs on Insta with um, your updates about your flash sale. Congratulations to all you doing that thing. Uh, But for anybody who is looking for some one-to-one coaching support with me, uh, that's what my flash sale is all about as it is most years with my 90-minute coaching intensive and my six-month coaching package both on sale until Friday night only, I think is what I said, um, for 25% off Friday night or whenever, when they're sold out. Anyway, definitely November. They're not available at a discount in December. That's just not happening. But this month they are 25% off. So you can find out all about that at uh, amymcdonald.com.au forward slash flash sale or of course the link in the episode notes there is just one place left for the one-to-one six-month coaching package so uh and and we need to talk before you buy that so (laughs) if you're interested if you've been thinking about it uh you better get a hustle on because you might miss out um and there are i think 15 loads left of the 90-minute session so again um I know a bunch of you have said, oh, I think I'm thinking about that. So you still, uh, there's still lots of those available, but not much time. So if you have any more questions about anything to do with my flash sale, do reach out and ask. Uh, you can't ask dumb questions, you know, just ask me. We don't do dumbo questions here. You can't get it wrong. amymcdonald.com.au forward slash flash sale for the information about everything that is on sale and of course uh, hit me up on insta at amy yoga biz coach so let's uh talk about the person i'm about to introduce you to so exciting so exciting so today i would love to introduce you to dr mark halpin who is the president and founder of the california college of ayurveda and um Mark is one of the preeminent practitioners and teachers of Ayurveda in the States uh, and he, in our interview, he talks to all of us about the college and takes us on a bit of a virtual tour, which I asked him to because I'm feeling a little bit cabin fevery over here and 
longing for California. Uh, Mark is one of the few Westerners ever recognized in both the US and India as an authority on the subject of Ayurveda and was awarded the All India Award for Best Ayurvedic Physician. That's fairly impressive. He tells us more about his story, but I'll give you a hint. It started as a doctor of chiropractic in 1987. Uh, Dr. Halpern is the author of two important textbooks in the field of Ayurvedic medicine, as well as the popular book, Healing Your Life, Lessons on the Path of Ayurveda. Which Oh, and also the audio recording of Yoga Nidra and Self-Healing. Uh, you can follow him, search for California College of Ayurveda. Follow along. He's also a certified yoga instructor, yoga geek. We had a good conversation. I really hope you enjoy it. Details to check in with Mark, follow him, find out more about what he has on offer, all in the episode notes. But for right here, uh, enjoy my conversation with Dr. Mark Halpin. All right. So, uh, Dr. Halpin, welcome to the Abundant Yoga Teacher podcast. I don't often have guests, and so it's such a delight to uh, have someone else to talk to here. And I know that you and I are going to have a great conversation. Well, Amy, I'm so happy that you you asked me to be here today and that this is working out, and I'm I'm honored to share this space with you. Thank you very much. Uh, my pleasure. So for folks who don't know you yet, obviously we know a little bit about you, but I, I always like to know <laughs> how the hell did you end up here? You know, it's a curious place. I know most people that I talk to in yoga land uh, had a sort of a, a, a winding road to get to this yoga reality that they have now what's your story how'd you get here well amy really it began for me when i was a child and i i looked at the world and i saw that there there needed to be something more to this world than what i was witnessing and what i saw was a lot of struggle what i saw was a lot of people who were unhappy and i saw a lot of people that were unhealthy and from a very early age i kept my eyes open for what I wanted to do with my life that would lead me in a direction of both happiness and, and health and service. And that was really my focus. And as I, as I got a little older, I, I met a man who became my first teacher and he, he, uh, his name was, was Ernie Landy, a chiropractor. And, and he inspired me to become a chiropractor when I was 16 years old. And wow. I, I met him and he was the first person I met that was, happy and healthy and inspired by life. And I thought, okay, I want to do that. So I, I started going into that direction, into health and well-being through chiropractic. But then I came to know over time that there was more to health and well-being than adjusting the spine. Now that's important, but that there's more to it, that there's something deeper even below that. Mm -hmm. And my purpose in life really was to understand the cause of suffering and the cause of of unhappiness. And so I needed to know more. And my journey led me step after step to, to healing myself. And, and, you know, I, I think every healer has to go through a journey of healing themselves. If you don't heal yourself, you're, you're probably not able to really support other people to heal themselves. And, yeah. and so uh, when I was about uh, uh, graduating from chiropractic school, I, I became crippled. And I was uh, affected by a disease that, that we believe now was Lyme disease, but at the time it was an autoimmune disorder. Wow. And it, was, it went by various names. You know, I wrote a book that tells this whole story called uh, uh, Healing Your Life, Lessons yes. on the Path of Ayurveda. 
Yeah. And, and, and in that book, I describe my whole journey to really get to, to where I am today. And, and so part of my healing from that, that, that crisis led me to, at first, Yoga Nidra, mm-hmm. and then to Ayurveda, and then to being a yoga teacher, and then to, to running an Ayurvedic school and eventually working here in the United States to develop the profession of Ayurveda. And all of that really began in 1987 for me. That was when I was crippled. And so ever since then, I have been doing the deeper inner work of my, my own healing, uh, you know, as, as well as trying to support other people to heal. Mm. Um, do you think that, what does it take to be so, uh, sensitive and aware to the next step because I'm guessing at 16 you met your first teacher the catalyst on a journey you would never have imagined then where you are now it seems it was a it seems like an unfolding and yet something that you would have had to be like whether it's pratibha or whatever it is but some kind of availability to sensitivity to what is the next obvious step for me to 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 take this journey how does how does that happen how do you know to say yes to one thing and or is it just what happened amy i i, I was born different I think, than, <laughs> than most people. <laughs> <laughs> ever since i was a little kid i saw the world differently and i looked for different things in the world and i looked for deeper meaning in the world and and i went through the disappointments of what i saw that 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 wasn't right you know one of the things that comes with being perceptive at an early age is you see all the things that are that you perceive or you you believe are 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 not uh healthy in the world and so you 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 have to deal with that and then you have to wonder well there's got to be something more and i don't know what that is and 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 my dad used to ask me all the time when i was a child he'd say mark what do you want to be when you grow up and i'd say dad you know when i was really young what i told him is I said, Dad, what I really want to be is a baseball player for the New York Yankees. Ooh. And he'd laugh, you know, but that's what I wanted to do. They, they, they were my heroes. And, and then one day when I was about 13 years old, he asked me again, very seriously, Mark, what do you want to be when I grow up? And for the very first time in my life, I, I, I looked him right in the eye and very seriously, I said, Dad, what I really want to be when I grow up is happy. Yes. How wise at such a, that's incredibly wise at such a young age. That was, that was the measure for me yes. of what I wanted to do with my life. And so I pursued that. So wherever I saw a pathway that seemed like it could lead to some sort of deeper happiness, well-being, health, that was the path I took. And I always tried to stay open to the way in which I was being guided. Yeah. And, and I, I trusted that I was heading in the right direction. I didn't always know where it was leading when I was in chiropractic school. Mm. I didn't know that that was leading me to where I am today. And yet I couldn't be where I am today without having gone through chiropractic school. I also couldn't be where I am today without having been crippled, mm. you know, and, and without having a multitude of serious health challenges that I've had throughout the course of my life that takes me deeper, that makes me look within and say, well, where did this come from? And, and then as I've learned more, I have to really examine myself and say, well, how is my experience a reflection of what's going on inside of me? Mm. And then I have to look at that and see if I can shift what's happening inside of myself. So it's an ongoing journey and an ongoing learning. 
Life can, can never be boring when you're when you have that type of commitment to deeper understanding. There's there's always more. <laughs> there is always more, Amy. There is always more. Yeah. I'm wondering, and I'm sure. I'm, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people who are listening would be resonating with what you're saying in terms of just looking back and thinking, even the adversity. Uh, in fact, the adversity was an important part in the the current point of the journey and no doubt that will continue to, to play forward but I'm wondering if we can uh if I can be a little selfish for a moment because obviously in 2020 I normally travel a lot I'm normally in the states at least annually uh call it cliche but California is one of my favorite states I'm wondering could you take us on a little travel journey because I'd like to imagine that I could come visit your college and take some courses What's it like over there? Can we just pretend that we're allowed to go travel and visit places for a moment? <laughs> Wouldn't that be lovely? And <laughs> I look I look forward to that again too. I'm often traveling around to different parts of the world. I've had the blessings to teach in India and in Japan and in Europe and Yeah. And now for the last year it's been sitting at home and sitting in my community, but you know there's also something really lovely about that. It's taken me deeper. It's taken me deeper by being more still. It's mm. taken me deeper by being more connected to my own community. Mm. And, and, and those roots, I think, are also really important. And so it, it's really been an opportunity to cultivate another aspect of, of, of myself. Yeah. Now, if you were to come here to California and you were to come to our college, well, yeah. we have a beautiful facility uh, here in Nevada City, California. We have a a 15,000 square foot facility. Wow. We have uh, several uh, classrooms. We have uh, a Pancha Karma Center with overnight facilities. We have a community healthcare clinic. We have an outdoor amphitheater. We have an herb garden. Uh, we have a meditation garden uh, with a lovely koi pond. And so we've cultivated a really beautiful sacred space here in Northern California. And uh, it's, it's, it's the California College of Ayurveda. And so if you came here, uh, you, would, you would walk into our, our lobby and, and there would be a boutique and a bookstore there. Oh. And, and you'd see a large uh, a statue of Ganesha at, uh, to, to greet you. And, um, and it'd be a really sacred experience. People would be kind and, oh. and caring and compassionate and loving towards you. If you wanted a tour, we would give you a tour of the college. We have an herbal pharmacy where we make all the medicines wow. uh, as well. And you can watch the herbal pharmacy. And uh, and so, yeah, we have many people who come from all over the world. This is, I guess, one of the, one of the destination points on the Ayurvedic tour in the United States. And so uh, people come here from all over the world and both for healthcare as well as, as students. And so... We have um, we have students that are in the classroom of live, like any other university. But we also broadcast our classes live over oh. the internet. So, in fact, if you were a student in Australia, you could be live in the classroom, interacting with everybody that is in the classroom, as well as the teacher, and seeing the teacher's presentation and right. asking questions, just like everybody else. And for the hands-on part of your training, we would be setting up for you specific. Uh, uh, workshops and seminars where you come to the college for a week or two at a time for intensives. So you could do a lot of the study from all yeah. over the world. 
Yeah. And we also have a program where you work one-on-one -on -one with a mentor and uh, the mentor guides you through your learning uh, process as well. So there are many ways in which students study with us. Uh, well, for me, I've already picked out the things that I want to study and they all involve being there in person. So they're on the bucket list. The, the, um, pardon my Australian English, but the herbal, like the, the one where it's a day, a month for nine months and like all of the seasonality and processing all of the plants, that's the one that I just thought, oh, I want that. I want that. Yeah. We have an herbal apprenticeship program. Yes, that's what you're talking about. That's what about. I'm talking and about. And that's where you learn to take the, the, the medicines from seed all the way through to medicine and, and making the medicines in our, our, our uh, herb department. And so it's wonderful. Yes, mm. you, you a whole growing season. And you also do field trips here into the local Sierra Mountains and you do field identification of plants. And so it's, it's a wonderful opportunity for hands-on herbal study. I'm a, I'm a, gardening is part of my sadhana, so that one really lit me up. I loved it. I'm wondering if um, we could change direction again because something that, um, and I can tell already from the, just this little bit of time that we spent with each other that um, you're much more well-mannered than I am, um, so we'll see how we go here, but something that I wonder about in, let's call it the yoga industry, is um, people kind of, um, moving into spaces and offering advice and support um, in, in things that they actually don't have any training or background in. And for me personally, when I see people in my community offering things like nutritional advice or, in fact, you know, uh, Ayurvedic treatment ideas um, without that background and training, it makes me uncomfortable. I think that we, because it's not, for one of a better phrase, Western medicine, people sort of feel a little bit more um, comfortable blending things together and perhaps there's some role creep. And uh, I'm wondering, as, as someone who's not only, you know, the founder of this college but also uh, um, highly influential in, the, in Ayurveda in the States, I'm wondering what your thoughts are on and if you're aware of people claiming... Um, uh, proficiencies in things where they might not actually have the background for that to be, uh, well, I guess, firstly, safe, but just in integrity. What's your, what are your feelings on that? Amy, I think this is a challenge all over the world yeah. when there is no licensing in most parts of the world uh, that establishes standards for practitioners, both for their education and their competency. Yes, Yes. And only when you have standards of education and standards of competency can you really assure that students are going to graduate with the level of knowledge that they really need to have to do two things, to adequately, adequately represent the science and also to adequately take care of the public. Yeah. And so without that, you're, you're left with, you know, if, if, you're, if you're somebody from the public, you're left hoping that your practitioner has been adequately trained. Mm. And so uh, here in California, for instance, and in many parts of the United States, they've passed laws that say you have to disclose your education. Yeah. And so you have to disclose uh, how much you've studied. You know, you can't just say, well, I, I, I'm practicing Ayurveda without saying that you actually went to school because yeah. if you read a book and that's all you're doing, you'd have to say what book you read because that's the law. 
Right. Now that's not the place everywhere in the world. And so mm. you have a lot of, of people and a lot of people here and a lot of people elsewhere that you're right, they, they mix traditions together. They do a little bit of this and a little bit of that and they're not an expert in anything. Mm. And that's not good for the science of Ayurveda and it's certainly not good for the general public. Mm. You hope and pray that you're working with a good healer and that's the best you can do in that situation. But what I recommend to, to your listeners mm. is to really research the background of the person that is going to take care of you. Nowadays, you can go online and you can read their bio quite easily. Mm. You can see what their accomplishments, accomplishments are. You can see where they went to school. You can you can ask them, you know, if they graduated from the school because it's it's oh wow, I never even who, thought of that. There are many people who say, yeah, I went to this school, but they never and actually graduated. Watched, and I just went to the gift shop. <laughs> <laughs> I never even funny. thought of that. Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. And so you have to you have to be cautious yeah. if you're living in an area where there are very lax laws about the practice of Ayurveda. Thanks. I think that's and and what that in you saying this for everybody, uh, I know maybe not so much in the states, but definitely in here and in Britain, the idea of asking someone who's declaring themselves as a qualified practitioner, well, could I look at your credentials before I book in, feels, you know, obnoxious or something. So, but I like that it's a valid thing. To, I mean, you wouldn't do it for if I was looking for a midwife I, I would want to know that she'd trained somewhere it, it seems for some of these uh old traditions that are now being presented as kind of um alternate therapies they're all kind of getting mixed in like some that are have really long history and scientific um support and some that are a little bit more a little younger, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dubious. I'm just going to go there. And they all kind of get lumped in together. Um, but, in fact, it's, uh, it feels like it's, it's folks like you who are saying this is legitimate, this is, you know, this is not only is it old, but it's, um, it's, it's rigorous and it's not the same as someone waving a, a crystal over you and here's why. I, th I think it's important to go to a person who is an expert in what you want. Yes. And yes. you want to find a person who's an expert in what you're looking for. If you want to see a homeopath, go to a classical homeopath that is an expert in their science. Yes. Not to somebody who just does a little homeopathy mixed in with what, what else they do. Mm -hmm. If you want a great chiropractor, go to somebody who does chiropractic. You want a practitioner of Ayurveda, go there. But what happens is when you just go to somebody who you know, does a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Like I said before, I think they are a, a, uh, uh, a generalist and they don't know that much depth about anything. Mm -hmm. And it's rare to find somebody who's an expert in more than one or two areas. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, and if you are an expert in more than one or two areas, by all means, integrate yeah. them together. Yes. That's yes. lovely. That is lovely. But really, you know, you, should, you, you, you shouldn't practice something that you're not an expert in, or you 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 are uh, disrespecting the profession, and you're also disrespecting your patients. So I think you know we can all dabble in whatever we like personally, but when we when we yeah. present as being an expert, and people come to receive services from us with that understanding, then we're into 
dangerous. Yeah, and you know, when you really are an expert in something and and you know, and by that I mean, you know, you really you 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 know what you know and your competence and you also know what you don't know and yes, you you, you yes. understand the 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 range of what you can do and what you can't do for somebody. It it gives you a certain level of confidence. Mm-hmm. And that confidence is essential to properly supporting somebody and it's also success it's also uh, essential to your success in the world as well because it really speaks to the confidence you have inside yourself and people will see that and people will feel that and somebody who really doesn't know what they're doing they're masquerading as a practitioner and they usually struggle they're usually not that successful because they know deep down inside that they don't really know what they're doing. And so that's important too. I like that. And I guess also to be clear that, because there'll be teachers that are listening who, I don't know, maybe hand out a dosha quiz on one night of their retreat or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. We're not saying that you can't, um, I guess what we're saying is know what, where your boundaries are in terms of these are, this is the skill set that I've, that I have that I feel confident in and not transgressing those lines. So not, not giving individual advice, for example. You know, I think that if you're a yoga teacher and you're running a yoga retreat and you've had some training in Ayurveda, maybe you've taken a few classes and you want to have an evening or afternoon lecture on what is Ayurveda and what is your dosha? And maybe that's as far as your, your training and your knowledge goes. I'd say by all means, go ahead and try to inspire people and let them know what Ayurveda is. And by all means, hand out a questionnaire and let people have fun filling it out and, and figuring out what their dosha is. I think what real, is really important is then to let the students know hey, I'm not an expert in this. Yes, yes, We're yes. just going to have some fun. I've, yes. I've been introduced to it, and I think it's really important, and I'd like to introduce you to it also. And if you want to know more or do more, here are some resources that you can go to in order to know more and do more. Here's some books you can read because, hey, this is a fascinating science. Mm-hmm. I don't see any problem with that whatsoever. Mm. I love that. As long, and as, I love- as, long as people are honest and, yes. and, and genuine and humble, it's when people are, are arrogant and putting up a false facade of competency when they're not and speaking as though they are, they are more than who they are. That's, of course, a problem. And, and arrogance often comes from low self-esteem. And so it's an act. And if somebody is really confident in who they are, you're an excellent yoga teacher then you don't have to be excellent also at Ayurveda, but you can still say, hey, this is a wonderful science. I want to I want to introduce you to it. And and I'm not the expert, but let's go have some fun. Yes. Let's look at each other's faces and 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 let's see what we can figure out together. It doesn't um, make you less of less inspiration, or if it does make you less inspirational to someone because you declare that you're a student, not an expert, then maybe they're not the right student for you anyway. I, I think that's very liberating. And so what about for um, people who are listening in who are thinking, okay, so I have dabbled a little bit and I would like to pursue this more formally and this is something that interests me that I would like to include in my own professional development. What's the starting point? Where to yoga teachers make an inroad here? What would be an obvious first step? 
Uh, there's a there's a couple of opportunities, and you know it really depends on what part of the world you're living in, mm-hmm. and uh, depending upon where you're you're living in the world, could impact where where or how you want to study. Yep. As I mentioned, we have students from all over the world, but if you're living in a uh, in a state or a country that has certain regulations, and there's a licensed school within your country, mm-hmm. and they're a good school, then you know check with them and find out what their offerings are. Some schools have programs where you can study the, the preventative medicine side of Ayurveda. And many people will call themselves Ayurvedic health counselors. Ah, uh, yeah, it's just, it's it. just, yeah, it's just lifestyle and prevention, and still yeah. takes a depth of knowledge and training in order to do that. Usually, a year or a year and a half mm-hmm. of study in order to do that, and and so that's wonderful for many yoga teachers to integrate into their uh, a yoga teaching. And if they want to go further into the clinical studies, then they could study to become what we call at our college a clinical Ayurvedic specialist, which means you're really studying the medicine. And you can go all the way at our school to becoming an Ayurvedic doctor. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it all depends upon how long you want to study and what the depth of your, your, your interest is and the depth of your training will be. And so there's also a program uh, in Ayurvedic yoga therapy that many yes. yoga teachers will want to participate in. Yeah. And so uh, to become an Ayurvedic yoga therapist, you would study the foundational knowledge of Ayurvedic medicine, but then specifically how it applies to the practices of yoga and specifically to to the eight limbs of yoga as articulated by Patanjali. So you would look at the yamas and the niyamas, for instance, from an Ayurvedic perspective, what does it mean in terms of health and well-being? And then you would look at uh, the asanas from an energetic perspective, and you would take a look at how is it impacting the elements and what's called the guru vadigunas or the 10 pairs of opposite qualities and how does that affect the doshas? Mm -hmm. And so you can begin to look at any asana and begin to understand how it influences the doshas. So Ayurvedic yoga therapy is really a subspecialty of Ayurveda, but it could be a specialty of its own if you you, uh, merge it, for instance, with the preventative medicine aspects of Ayurveda. Mm. So at our college, uh, we have a program in Ayurvedic yoga therapy where you you take our foundational training, which is the same as our Ayurvedic health counselors, but you add to that the the study of the Ashtanga yoga, of the eight limbs mm. of yoga, mm. and and how each limb relates to health and well-being. And then you're able to really individualize your yoga therapy sessions with your patients according to the traditional principles of Ayurveda and the traditional principles of yoga. And, you know, much of this is actually articulated in the Hatha Yoga Pradipika because in that text is really a blended text of Ayurveda and yoga. But there's other ones too, like the Shiva Samhita and, 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 and other Samhitas that are very important in terms of understanding this integration. This is not. This is a whole other conversation for another time. But I do find that one thing that has uh, altered from the time that the Hatha Yoga Pradipika was published to now is, of course, gender balance, and perhaps there needs to be some more <laughs> practices available for women. Um, I, I can hear. I just know when this podcast goes live, everybody who's listening right now, I will be getting a lot of DMs from people saying. I've just gone to look at that course. I can't wait to take it. I'm signing up. Like the, uh, knowing the, my people, you've just like 
that's a sweet lullaby, everything you just said. <laughs> <laughs> Signing up for that. Okay, so um, thank you for that. I've got one other nerdy question that I always wonder about uh, Ayurveda before we finish up. I'm wondering if I can ask. And uh, maybe this is a bugbear of mine, but it seems to be, maybe it's with the um, sort of explosion of yin yoga that that's, that we all just have become accustomed to at this point, that it seems that so many yoga teachers know more about meridians than they know about nadis. Why is it that we don't seem, as a group of people, as a collective, we don't seem to know a whole lot about um, Indian energy systems rather than Chinese ones. Why? Why don't we know more? You know, I think one of the reasons really is that Chinese medicine spread out of China uh, in the 1960s and 1970s in a real strong way. And so it influenced the medicinal and the philosophical systems of the world uh, earlier than Ayurveda did. Ayurveda really you know, became popular. It started to spread earlier, but it really became popular outside of India in the 1990s. Right. And so it's it's 20 to 30 years probably behind China, oh. the development of Chinese medicine. Right. And so in terms of in terms of outside of India, now within the yoga community, there is a a tremendously uh, a tremendously high interest in the energetic aspects of Ayurvedic medicine, and of course. Although people are not as familiar with the nadis, one of the reasons is there's 72,000 of them, <laughs> uh, which makes it a little bit a, a little bit large to wrap your your mind around. Well, that's uh, but that's just India, though, right? Like more is more. Of course. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But of course, there is some major nadi that yes. that are very important to to focus on. And as a yoga teacher, it's essential that you study, you know, the 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 Shushumna nadi, the Ida, the Pingala nadi. And, and that you also understand the chakra system yeah. and the traditional chakra system, because, you know, you were mentioning, Amy, earlier about Ooh. things getting blended yeah. in terms of different thoughts. Well, you know, today there are so many new age ideas about, about the chakra system. Mm-hmm. So, but it's important to study the traditional uh, way in which energy moves in the body, the traditional function of the chakras, and and then understand how that relates to the expansion of consciousness and how you can use that knowledge to uh, really promote your your higher awareness. And mm. so uh, it, it is very important to, to, to study that. I wonder, I, I don't, this, I, I'm curious to know your thoughts because you're the expert, I'm a hack. Is it also to do with the availability of texts of translated materials? Is, is it this that there has there hasn't been as much material come to us yet that like go to resources in terms of I, I, original I, texts. Yeah, well, you know there are original texts, but I, I, I think there haven't been very many modern texts yeah. and popular books by writers who are going to um, uh, easily explain it. Uh-huh. And and I do think that there is some out there, but there's nothing really that is comprehensive. The comprehensive writings are in the classical texts and then they're in the textbooks within the various colleges. So for instance, here at the California College of Ayurveda, I've written three textbooks. Right. Uh, one is called Principles of Ayurvedic Medicine and then, and then two volumes of Clinical Ayurvedic Medicine. And in the Principles of Ayurvedic Medicine, 
we go into detail into Ayurvedic psychology and yogic psychology. And in going into psychology, you have to also delve into an understanding of the subtle body. Mm. And when you're going into the subtle body and you're going into the various koshas, that's where you really get involved in the uh, subtler aspects of the movement of energy. Mm-hmm. And, and that requires a deep level of study. Mm. Now, there may be people in the future who will write more popular books and, and, and uh, take a certain aspect of it and, and make it popular. Uh, but that hasn't happened as much yet. Yeah. I do think it'll happen. Like I said, you know, Ayurvedic medicine is probably 20 or 30 years behind the awareness of Chinese medicine. Mm-hmm. So uh, meridians are actually easier to relate to yeah. than, uh, than the Nadi are. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for letting me, thanks for indulging my little geeky question there. I, I often wonder about that. Um, okay, so we obviously I could... Um, talk to you for hours and hours and I shan't but could you tell everybody because people are going to want to hear more from you and I'll put all of your contact info in the uh, show notes but where do people go to find out more listen more check out your syllabus all of book in for what did I write down bliss therapy visit when that's allowed <laughs> how do we get more all right well of course one of the good places to start would probably be at the website of the California College of Ayurveda. So it's ayurvedacollege.com. And that's a good place to start. But there's other places that students can go if they wanna learn more and and, and be be involved with us. So I conduct a Facebook group called Ayurveda Yoga Nidra and Ayurvedic Yoga Therapy with Dr. Mark Halpern. And so that is another good place to go. Um, there's a community there of, of about 8,000 individuals who ask questions. Right. Uh, I post regularly. There's there's no uh, real advertising on the page. It's really very much a a knowledge based group, yeah. and so I think that's a good place to go. Yeah. And you know, I've made so many videos that students can watch that are up on YouTube, that are Facebook Lives. Uh, they can go to the California College of Ayurveda. Uh, channel on YouTube. Uh, they can Google Mark Halpern. Don't forget my name is spelled with a C, not a K. Mark Halpern Ayurveda. And there's so many videos and and lectures that I've given that have been recorded in different places throughout the world. So lots to listen to and, and lots to learn, even if you don't go to school formally. But if you want to go to school formally, then we're here for that as well. And, and, and we'll make sure you're tro- properly trained. So good. Dr. Halpern, thank you for being a fantastic guest and inspiring all of us and uh, indulging my geeky questions. I appreciate your time very much. Amy, may I make one last comment? You must. All right, just one last comment. And that is that my, my great hope for your listeners is that through their study of Ayurveda, through their study of yoga, that through their work with you to become more successful and through their work with their communities, that their heart opens Mm. because it's really when their heart opens that they will be connected to the divine divine flow of Shakti, that it'll flow from above down and from the inside out. And people who are touched by that creative energy, their hearts will open as well. And if we can all touch each other's hearts in that way, 
sharing the knowledge of Ayurveda, sharing the knowledge of yoga, then maybe we'll live in a world that's a little bit more harmonious, a little bit more peaceful, a little bit more kind, and most importantly, a little bit more loving. That's okay. my great wish for, for all of your listeners. Beautifully Let put. us do that together. Thank you so much. I absolutely wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> So there you have it, folks, another edition of the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. Hey, favor to ask. If you found the content useful, I would be very grateful if you could support this podcast by giving me a five-star rating. And if you've got a moment, a review would be super cool. No pressure, of course. Like I said earlier, if you have any suggestions for podcast topics in the future, I would love to be in service. DM me on Instagram at Amy Yoga Biz Coach. Take deep care.